much for tuning into Steam Up the Classroom. Steam Up the Classroom is a podcast where we talk about education and integrating science, technology, engineering, art, and math into a classroom. I'm Tori Cameron, and I started this podcast in order to learn from the experts of STEAM around me. Each episode, we have a guest on the show from the fields of education, business, nonprofits, or others related to STEAM. My hope for this podcast is to learn something that I can incorporate into my classroom and for you, the listeners, to do as well. Today on episode five, we have Shane Evans, president of the New Jersey Technology and Engineering Educators Association, and Deborah Cohen, who is the secretary of the same association. This is our first podcast with more than one guest, so it's very exciting. And they are here on Skype, um, all the way from New Jersey, phoning in. So thanks so much for coming on to the podcast, Shane and Deborah. Welcome. Thanks for having us on. We're really happy uh, we could join you. Yeah. Hello from me as well. This is so exciting. It's so cool that you guys reached out and wanted to come on the podcast. And I'm so excited for everything that we're going to talk about today. And um, so why don't we just hop right into it? Why don't we talk about what the NJTEEA is? Um, so I'm Shane Evans. Uh, NJTEEA. Sorry, let's start that one over again. Uh, <laughs> Hi, I'm Shane Evans. The NJTEEA is an organization uh, in New Jersey. We provide professional development, um, teacher support, as well as um, helping different organizations throughout the state and con con connecting them with schools um, in order to help them grow their programs. Uh, we provide monthly professional development in the North, Central, and South Jersey um, for teachers of all fields who want to grow their STEM and STEAM programs. We, uh, we have conferences throughout the year, um, once in the spring, once in the fall, um, and we also do workshops. We work with the state um, in helping develop the standards for um, every time we redo the 8.2 standards. And uh, Deb actually is the one that's kind of spearheading that a little bit, so I want to let her take over that part. Awesome. So, yeah, so we are currently working with uh, the state. The 8.2 standards in New Jersey are the standards for tech and engineering, and they're a little outdated, so we're going to update them to include STEM topics and include things like woodshop and auto shop and some of the traditional um, tech and engineering groups as well. Um, and we're also adding in the comp sci aspect to it to bring those in since that's become so important. And in conjunction with that, we're working on um, the certification in New Jersey to try and increase the number of teachers that are eligible to teach tech and engineering classes because they're it's ironically shrinking as the <laughs> idea keeps growing. Yeah, isn't that interesting? There's less and less people to be able to teach these topics. And, and I mean, if it's even true for the STEM field in general, there's less and less um, people going into the STEM fields. And while the, and the STEM fields are becoming so much more widespread, it's so I'm so glad that you guys are here talking about uh, what you have to offer so that um, people that are listening, even if they don't live in New Jersey, maybe they can still find um, some of the things that you guys do through the NJTEA um, helpful. And they can check out all of the different topics that we're going to talk about today. And they can check out your web page and reach out to you. And, and we'll make sure before we end the podcast to have uh, your contact information out there for everyone to um, be able to contact you. So great. Be great. Great. Yeah. Um, so I would love if we could start talking about the frameworks that you guys created um, with the frameworks 
for maker spaces at different levels? Did you want to yes. hop into that? Um, absolutely. So um, recently we've seen, uh, as you mentioned, there's more people getting into the, the idea of making and the idea of STEM and STEAM. Uh, and a lot of these maker spaces are popping up in schools throughout the country. Um, but you know, what might be a good maker space for one community might not be the correct maker space in another community. Mm -hmm. So as a, depending on the level of the students, the level of, of the um, community involvement and the level of um, the teacher um, certifications, you might need to tailor your makerspace to do different things. Um, so to start off, um, we kind of went through and we started defining what a makerspace is, um, defining each level and what is important within those spaces. Uh, and so first off, uh, a makerspace in its simplest terms is uh, a facility that encourages creative thought in order to promote innovation to the use and avail availability of unique resources. Um, so whether it be a 3D printer, laser cutter, or just basic um, paper crafts, mm -hmm. um, all those things fit in a makerspace uh, mentality. And yeah. then taking uh, that to our big idea is makerspaces can go kindergarten all the way through post-secondary school and college um, and career, starting off very generic. K to five, brainstorming, exploration, having the kids become more independent in their problem solving and predictions. A little bit more diverse content when you hit the middle school, junior high age, grades six through eight, introducing the design process and that it's not linear and you go from multiple, you know, you can go back and redo and redesign. Mm -hmm. Gearing the kids up and working on these collaboration skills so that by the time they get to high school, they can focus in on topics that they've gotten to explore in younger grades, and now they can go, ooh, I'm really interested in architecture, or I'm really interested in auto shop, or I'm really interested in photography, whatever it might be, with the goal of making these kids future ready, because STEM is here to stay, mm -hmm. and then they can follow and pursue in college. That's great. So let's dive a little bit more into the different levels of the makerspaces, because, I mean, if anyone listened to the episode with Mandy Figlioli, we talked about having uh, makerspaces in uh, different grade levels and, and really trying to bring opportunities for kids to use the engineering design process and to really just use their hands and start um, thinking creatively and building things from scratch or from their minds that they didn't even realize that they could build. Um, so I've never seen makerspaces or the levels that you guys have sent me for the makerspaces, which I think is, it totally makes sense. If you look at all of them and you read through them and, and think, oh, wow, this does make sense starting from uh, a simple level going all the way through uh, more high tech. But what made you guys kind of start thinking about leveling and, um, and how would a school system or a school or even uh, a classroom, how would they dive into the levels? Yeah, so that's a really good question. Um, the, the biggest thing that we've seen, and we kind of brought it up a little bit before, was the standards revision. Um, that, that has been coming through, and um, basically our field was industrial arts before it turned into tech ed. So, and before that, it was like four other names until it became tech ed. Mm. Um, but we're seeing that we want to revise these standards that are dealing with 8.2, which is the um, ed tech and technology education with making sure students understand the design process. Mm -hmm. So based on that revision through our state, as well as teacher certification, um, we're seeing 
seeing that there's not enough positions to fill these spots. Um, because, you know, once you start dealing with tools and equipment, now you're dealing with different safety precautions. Right. Um, so we've got, you know, students and, and teachers going into a room that might have equipment that shouldn't be used without certain precautions or certain safety tests or certain ways to, to catalog the different tools and equipment, making sure everyone's safe, as well as um, there's, there's been some studies by Yale and MIT um, called control banding, and they're trying to look at tools and equipment in makerspaces and and see what that um, what having those different hazards and where they are on that scale. Yeah. Um, so we decided to kind of put that together in a way that yeah, you know, based on the hazards and based on your certification and your training, this is where people should be, as well as the content that's in this room or the content that's in another room, as well as the equipment and and student safety uh, aspects. Yeah, and just, that's, the student safety, I mean, that's huge. When I, I went to a Maker Fair, I don't know, like last year, and one of the booths was a, um, it was a laser printer for wood. I'm not sure what you would call it, um, if it mm -hmm. is actually still called a laser printer. A laser cutter. A laser cutter, yeah. okay. And yeah. they were like, oh, bring this to your school or bring this to your program. And I remember thinking, like, I would probably cut off my fingers because <laughs> I don't know how to use a laser cutter. But well, I would, I I would right. want to give my kids that opportunity to learn from it. But I would, I mean, I wouldn't even know where to begin. I think one of the key things is, is it's not that level one is better or worse than level five. It's that it's different and that, yeah. there, that we have a need for level one and level two maker spaces. There absolutely is that need. It's great for exploratory, you know, design and problem solving. But then you do hit that point where a little bit of specialization by the teacher is needed so that they can help assist with all of this stuff. So we don't want to discourage people and go, oh, you only have a level one. No, great. You have a level one and that's a great starting point for these kids and a great place for kids to go during lunch and do makerspace sort mm -hmm. of things. Absolutely. Definitely. And even, even middle schoolers, um, I, a couple, a week or two ago had a cardboard challenge and the kids used cardboard and duct tape. And, you know, from there they were, they really wanted to start building more and more. And so I thought, well, I don't have a makerspace in my classroom yet. It's something that I've been um, slowly trying to integrate this year um but i thought i mean starting with cardboard and duct tape the kids would be psyched about it and then to be able to have other technologies that i've used in the past um just even like lego robotics and and um the different robots and everything that you can bring in and, and the different types of technology you can grow your tiny little cardboard makerspace into something so much bigger and, and be able to really provide different opportunities for the kids so this is this is really a really Absolutely. interesting way of looking at it yeah that, thank you um so actually uh yeah would you like to start with the just finding all the levels and start with level one sure so I'll go through just what they're all called and then I'll do, I can start off with level one. So level one, we're talking about collaboration level, our most basic level, level two, design level, level three will be production level, level four is the manufacturing level, and level five is the industrial level. So looking at level one, which is our co collaboration level, it's a space that provides opportunities of collaboration among classmates through the use of paper crafts, simple software, entry level 3D, printers, 
Typically, it can be done anywhere, open classroom with a flexible layout. You do need some storage. Anybody can do it. Um, the students are all, it's accessible to anybody because, you know, they need proper safety training. If you are using scissors with younger kids, you got to make sure they know even safety at that age about mm -hmm. what to do. Um, but it should be accessible to everybody. It may include things like sketching, uh, physical modeling, some paper engineering. There are things like the tallest tower challenges, basic 3D modeling or block programming. You might have 3D printers or 3D scanner. Um, things like Tinkercad, which are very easy for you know people to use without a lot of knowledge. It's yeah. a good intro into the higher levels of CAD. Um, Scratch, Lego We Do, Snap Circuits. Anything that's that's simple and people can kind of pick up, but like it can also friendly. be as simple <laughs> as Play-Doh and construction paper and colored pencils. And people can use that and make things. If they're using this design process in collaboration, it's a very easy way. It's, you know, tends to be elementary school, but even at the high school level, we, we do a paper tower thing to get the kids thinking and working as teamwork. So it mm -hmm. doesn't have to be just because it's simple doesn't mean it's not appropriate all the way up to the high school level. Right, absolutely. And then level two is the design level, which is a space that provides students with additional design for more complex content, such as hot glue guns, exacto knives, slightly more complex software, some robotics. There might be some additional safety training. Again, access to all students after they've been properly trained. At this point, we're saying you should have somebody certified in either art or math or science or tech and engineering that could help do this. Um, you know, you'd want to make sure you had a section, an area for tools to be stored, you know, computers, lighting needs to be appropriate. And this is where you might see some higher tech things. You might have multiple 3D printers. You might have, you know, paper cutters, the poster printers, exacto knives, hot glue guns. You might do stuff with the Lego Mindstorms instead of the basic robotics um, we do at level one. Lego Mindstorms is a little more complicated. Mm -hmm. Some more advanced design software or even script programming, things like possibly Scratch or something along those lines. So a little more content, a um, little more design, prototyping, and that sort of thing. Yep. And then I'll do three, um, and then I leave four and okay. five to you, Shane. <laughs> Sounds <laughs> um, good. So the production level, which we can kind of tag team, it's a lab space to accommodate a, speci a specified content area. So we're starting to get a little more specialized here and getting out of just the design where they might be producing something. You might have entry-level CNC machines, graphics production, soldering irons, professional software. You're going to have tool-specific safety training, and you do need a tech or engineering certification to teach this or a content-specific certification uh, to be able to do this. And again, any student should be able to access this once they've been properly safety trained and pass and pass the appropriate tests or quizzes. You know, so but you might be getting into Adobe products on the graphics side or Arduino, Final Cut Pro, Python, some entry level CNC or Raspberry Pi, soldering electronics and biotechnology. So a little more complicated yeah. uh, once we hit that level. Right. Jane? And um, so now level four, um, I just want to quickly touch before I go into this, um, the content isn't exactly guiding the space. We're really talking about the, the teacher and then the equipment and the space you're in um, when we're talking about this, like based on the safety levels and things like that, because <laughs> you can have the highest of high AP comp sci being taught in a makerspace level one, 
um, and that's going to be the highest level content you can get into. Um, that doesn't mean that it's better or worse, like uh, Deb said before, but you know, the content you're doing in different rooms isn't gonna really dictate the level, but these are examples of those levels. Yeah. Um, so now manufacturing level, which is level four, uh, this space is, a, is configured for material processing um, that is outfitted with equipment such as drill presses, table saws, advanced CNC machinery, um, automotive diagnostics. Uh, and then in this area, you'd have more tool specific safety training um, as well as the teacher certification that is needed. Um, so again, we would have some type of lab format um, compartmentalized. So you might have sanding and um, finishing in one area while you're doing heavy um, material processing in another, and you might have a, a, a clean area for computers. Um, again, certification is technology and engineering uh, with contents or content specific. And then with student access, again, for everyone, um, pretty much all of these levels as long as they've had proper safety training and testing. Um, now, content in this area gets more into the the higher level advanced. So think of a typical industrial arts type of a room mm -hmm. um, where you have materials processing, energy power transportation, um, engineering design, maybe some more advanced robotics. Uh, equipment is more advanced CNC. Now we're getting into that whole laser cutter that you were talking about um, yeah. because there's a lot more safety aspects involved. Uh, power tools, um, more manufacturing based things, car lifts and things like that. Um, and then the resources might be something closer to CAD CAM where you're, you have to do a lot more process um, towards getting your final product. And then industry contacts are really great at this level because now you can have things that you might not be able to do in the classroom and you can rely on neighborhood contacts that could potentially plasma cut something for you uh, because you might not have that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, cool. And then we're at level five, which is the industrial level. Um, and so this is a space designed to reflect a professional environment. Um, it's outfitted with industrial equipment, such as heavy duty machinery, metalworking, automotive manufacturing versus just diagnostics. Um, and then you ha might have tool specific safety training again with the teacher certification definitely needed in this area. Um, so this area would be industrial, like you're walking into a manufacturing facility for woodworking or manufacturing facility for automotive. Um, and here is where we start with certifications. We, we're pulling in vocational CTE programs that are you know, industry trained. You have people who've got industry experience and they're teaching what they've learned in the field to the students at, you know, in these levels. Um, and again, safety throughout all, as long as they've gone through the tra training. Now, some content in here might be welding, um, industrial production, some type of autom automotive systems, um, or, or even PLCs, which is programmable logic controllers. So that's where factories might program their machinery to do each step of the process. Um, equipment, again, like water jet CNCs, metal fabrication, uh, welding in this area. And then um, again, industry trained educators uh, and industry partners in those spots. I like that your levels reflect how there's so many different areas in STEM and STEAM. Because not, not a lot of people think about or realize that things like auto shop and things like welding and, and the different, what's the word? I don't, what would be the word? It's not like, not, I don't want to say blue collar jobs, but. Um, I mean, I would just, what would you say? That manufacturing? I was going to say, it's the, it's the industrial, it is the blue collar jobs. Yeah, it, it okay, is. I wasn't really sure is. if that was like a good term to use or anything. Okay, so 
it's all the hands-on jobs. Okay, it's yeah. all the ones that, you know, I yeah. would say is creative and um, creates that kind of environment where you're doing things versus just designing the things that other right. people are doing. Yeah. So, um, so I like that the levels show that there's, there's different types of STEM out there. You know, a lot of people don't make the connection or don't realize that you can have STEM in different areas, such as auto shop and welding and, and really getting the hand, hands-on jobs and hands-on um, education programs and, and having the different industries that do rely heavily on STEM, but people just don't realize that they are STEM. Like when I remember um, growing up, like we had the technical high school in town and like looking back, I was, I, I'm kind of jealous that I never went there thinking like, oh, wow, I could have been introduced to so many different areas of STEM if I had you know, gone to that school, whereas I went to a traditional school and, and didn't have the opportunities to be in the different shops or to get my hands dirty, so to speak. And so I like that these levels show that you have different areas of STEM and in different ways to educate kids and educate students about the different areas. And um, in Massachusetts, we have the Massachusetts STEM Network, and I work closely with the Massachusetts, uh, the Southeastern Massachusetts STEM Network coordinator, and she constantly is telling people all the different areas of STEM, and she has a list, and, and on it are, are various different um, areas, like agriculture or um, automobiles, and um, I, of course now I'm blanking now that I have to list them, but like there's, there's a lot of areas of STEM that are past just the, the typical you know, hands-on building like the newspaper um, towers or or things like that, and I and I like that this reflects all the different levels. Well, and I think one of the key things with STEM is one of our underlying principles is design pro design and problem solving with critical thinking. So I think that's one of the the things that needs to be remembered. STEM, at its heart, is uh, critical thinking, problem solving, design and problem solving. And it allows students to realize they're actually using STEM all of the time. Mm -hmm. One of the first examples I use with high schoolers when we do the design process is, what do you do in the morning? What are you trying to do? And they look at me like I'm crazy, and I finally get them to where they say that they get dressed. Yeah. And we go through, we take the problem-solving loop, and we go through how they get dressed, that they look at the weather, or they check online, they pick out an outfit, then maybe they go outside and realize, ooh, it's colder than they thought, so they have to go back in and get a coat. And we go through it, and they realize they're using all of these skills all the way through, and it allows exposure to all of the students. You know, even if it's just for a semester, here, take this and kind of see how you use this in real life in some other way connected to engineering or auto shop or wood shop or, you know, architecture or photography or whatever it might yeah, be. Yeah, so true. I like that. I like that, um, and I'm sure the kids or your students, they're surprised to think, oh, wow, how much they use that process in, I mean, really everything you do all day long. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I tell, I tell that when we were doing the cardboard challenge, I was telling my students how they use the engineering design process all the time, but 
it you know they just don't realize it and how engineering is all around them and i mean i was we were just brainstorming and pointing out things that had to had to be created through the process of the engineering design process even down to like the shoelaces that they had on their shoes i said yeah that had to be um, thought of and planned and created and then made better and and tested out again and you know ma made better with different materials or different lengths and they were like oh my gosh that's crazy i can't believe engineering's everywhere you know that's you know young middle schoolers and just to be able to open that thought process for them to make them realize it's everywhere and all around them uh, hopefully it, it gets them thinking how um, they can move on with STEM, hopefully in education and, and hopefully in careers. So, I don't know, just little things like that, you know? Yeah, well, absolutely. I, I think it also helps them make the connections between whether it's science and math or even we do writing, you know, there's writing involved. And mm -hmm. so English, there's usually we go through the history of different things, bringing in the arts when, you know, you get to that point. So I, I think it does help them make those connections as well to, oh, wait, I'm not sitting here learning two plus two equals four yes. for no reason. Exactly. It helps me when I go and try and, you know, do something else. Yeah. I had a student the other day saying, oh, but we don't do writing in math and science. I was like, oh, no, we do. <laughs> <laughs> we do incorporate ELA. <laughs> and then I was like, OK, I got to create a unit where we really incorporate it and, and, and have you know, a storyline or something where we have to build from and, and things like that. And I was like, oh, dear. <laughs> yeah, so. and it's funny that you say that. Like, they don't think that writing or reading is incorporating into certain things. And I remember a couple of years back, we were looking at Lexile scores, and they were talking about how, you know, they went through the process of, all right, this is someone who works as a cash cashier. Their Lexile score is, you know, lower down. And then they went up to a nurse, and they went to a doctor, and then they went to a farmer was higher than a doctor and they were we were all like wait what and you you think about it and i believe it the amount of amount of technical manuals that these people mm -hmm. read and have to fix and and go through a, a process of of looking at what's wrong all right well now i have to assess that how do i diagnose that all right what happened oh wait my thing has a gps locator for where i put every single seed on <laughs> my combine yeah so it's really interesting to to see that range um and how it all ties together where you know, when you have to do this more, um, your brain has to think in cyclical forms, like the design process, you, you really get to know what's going on. Absolutely. Real quick, anyone that is interested in learning more about agriculture and farming, check out episode one of Steam Up the Classroom, where we talk about <laughs> <Awesome>. <laughs> agriculture and farming. Nice <laughs> little plug there for anyone listening. But I yeah, like I mean, it's it's, I really like what you guys are doing, and I really hope that um, it's well-received and, and supported by the state, and I hope that teachers and educators in your state are jumping on board with you guys and, and going to your conferences and going to all the professional development that you have available because it really sounds like um, what you're doing is just broadening the horizons, not only for students, but for all the educators to um, be better informed and, and be better able to teach this, these different topics and you know a teacher's work is never done you always have to to go to professional developments and learn new things and, and keep it fresh and it's nice that you guys are providing all these opportunities so kudos to you guys 
Thank you. Thank you. And you as well. Thank you for putting this together and um, making this podcast happen. This is really phenomenal. Oh. As soon as I heard it, I was like, okay, we need to go talk to her. We like <laughs> oh, Tori. <thanks. laughs> Hopefully we'll meet in real life. <laughs> That'd be great. Yeah. <laughs> but um, before we, well, we're not going to wrap up yet because I do ha- want to have a um I do want to talk about a couple different things before we wrap up. So why don't um, we switch gears a little bit and talk about um, the teacher certification um, for New Jersey and how you guys are working with the state and um, and how you support teachers more. You know, I just briefly said that you guys have your different conferences and professional development opportunities, but it sounds like you guys have a lot more than just that so can we can we get more into the nitty-gritty for teachers and educators? sure yeah okay. <laughs> and that's something that uh we've been getting in the nitty-gritty for the past few years well i'm before i was even in the organization and as well as deb um but basically we have such a shortage of technology engineering educators um, because of the certification process so mm. um our current as an organization our current goal is to get more teachers into classrooms uh, into tech ed classrooms to be able to teach this um, this content um, because if you put me into a classroom I can teach anything same thing with them with our certification we teach anything from um, basic digital media all the way through electronics to wood shop to automotive to um, you know scaled aviation like anything oh, wow. that is in the world of tech ed we can be teaching um, so it's such a vast uh, uh, certification but no one really knows that it exists. Like I was like, oh wait, I can I can start teaching this. I got to college. I was like, wait, this is actually a career. Like, what do you mean? I get to play with stuff and, oh, cool. and have fun. So um, right now, the big hiccup is you need 30 credits within the content area, and the alternate route process, which Deb can kind of go into a little bit more, is very difficult at this point um, in in getting people who have skills who are currently teachers and are teaching to get them into a classroom like this with the correct certification. Yeah. So basically what um, Shane has said is, you know, the case, we have one school in New Jersey currently that's outputting teachers. Um, So we're either looking to industry um, or looking to other places where we can pull people in from. And I actually was an alternate route teacher 18 years ago. Um, And at the time, the process was very simple, but it's really geared towards, it was a one-year course you took it was you know twice a week and one Saturday a month and by the end of the year you had the certification that you needed Um, the coursework however at the time and still today even though they've doubled the amount of time it's now a two-year program is really geared towards classroom management and writing lesson plans and how best to it's very generic because they have roomfuls of teachers of any sort of topic Mm -hmm. so it's very hard to pull somebody in that has the background of an engineer or whatever and put these them in these alternate route classes because what they're learning in there is not necessarily what they're going to need in a specialized high school for the most part um, classroom to teach tech ed. Right. So what we're hoping to do is work with the state to come up with ways through either intensive courses, um, you know, on topics so that you could get endorsements potentially and maybe you can't teach woodshop or auto shop but you can teach engineering and you have the skills that you've learned to do that. Um, safety would be a key component no matter what you were going into in the tech ed um, field because even in engineering rooms, there's a lot of safety that goes on. So everybody would have to take a safety um, intensive course and then 
we're going to try and figure out how we can then help people so that teachers can find a lot of schools don't have wood shops and auto shops anymore, but they're really working on this STEM and this engineering piece. Mm -hmm. um, and if you've got a really well versed science teacher that's excited about engineering and the new next gen science standards and is wants to learn more, they could do this as well and also teach a course or two. So we're trying to not minimize the requirements in the sense of learning less, but making it more palatable to somebody that's either currently teaching in another field or coming from industry to get what they need to be able to um, teach in one of our classrooms. Yeah, well, I'm seeing that. Well, I'm, I'm not seeing. From talking to people and, and meeting people, especially at conferences like the ones that you guys hold, you hear more and more about people that have been working in the different industries and they've realized that they really want to work with kids or that they want to have quote unquote, a more meaningful job or a um, job where they feel like they um, are giving back or something like that. And, and you want to have those people that have that experience. You want them to be able to, start teaching and, and teaching successfully and um, and be able to achieve the different certifications. So I, I really like that you guys are, are trying to make it um, more accessible and and also for the people that are looking to, to make this change, have them have the skills and knowledge that they need to um, become teaching. Because, I mean, it's very different working in the industry versus working with students. You know, you can you can be the best engineer in the entire world, but then to have to start teaching it, it's just a whole different avenue. And it's not easy, you know, as a teacher myself. Teaching, right. it's different every single day. You never know Absolutely. what you're going to get. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and then you see, you know, um, a lot of times they're putting all these tools and equipment in a room with someone who doesn't have the training mm -hmm. for themselves, never mind the training with 30 kids. <laughs> you know, I, yeah. I talk to other teachers and like around the school and they're like, so why do you allow yourself into a room with tools and equipment with 30 kids running around? Like <laughs> you're, you're, you're crazy, you know, and I might be, um, I think we all are <laughs> a little bit, but you know, it's, it, it's skills that we want these students and they need to learn um, because we're seeing, we're seeing students not understanding, you know, why they have to replace this piece on their car and why it's now 12 pieces and why they're getting charged so much. And so basic things like that, that we're, you know, they're not understanding the process of just something as simple as, oh, you need an oil change, but you also need now new struts and, and wiper blades and this and this and this. Um, but if you can go through that process of understanding the design, um, now you've got a little better understanding of the world. So true. I'm trying to find on, I'm trying, I'm scrolling through my Twitter feed. I'm trying to find this tweet that I liked the other day and um, it's buried somewhere. And it, it basically said something like you can have the fanciest equipment and have the, the best things in your maker space, but to, to be able to teach it and, and have the kids have you know, an understanding of it and be able to really integrate the different processes that you need to be successful in order to use the equipment, that's what is most necessary. You can have all the fancy equipment, but what you really need is to be able to have that um, educating background and be able to, to have the kids be successful with what they're creating and building and, and really gaining from the different lessons that you build 
with that technology. It, they said it so much, so much better and like, much more concise. <laughs> and I wish I could find it, but um, I think no, I might be is. scrolling for a little while. You know this is a teacher. It's an art. You have yeah. to figure out how to song and dance. And when something doesn't go right, how to you know work around it. And when you throw in these tools and equipment, you know, I had it the other day. Kids were soldering, and the solder it stopped working. And the guy was just soldering, and, and the soldering iron went cool pretty quickly. It turned out a breaker, uh, the circuit breaker had flipped on that pole. And so, but we had to troubleshoot it, and I made the kids troubleshoot it. I'm like, okay, well, this is an electricity class. Let's figure out what's going on. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so it kind of helped them realize that if they're at home and something happens, and we talked about fuses too because it's different, but it was a great learning opportunity that if that hadn't happened, it wouldn't have been as real to them. You know, we had to stop and figure out why the heck, Whereas this whole row of soldering irons now out. Mm -hmm. So well, true. Somebody tripped the breaker. We don't know what happened, but we fixed it and they got back to work. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I found it. I found it. Um, is um, Stephen Payne, one of my Australian friends, he had, it was it's such a great tweet. It said, a technology rich classroom without good teaching is an expensive bad classroom. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag primary STEM jet. But it, it, I mean, it's so true. So for you guys to be able to, be providing these opportunities for educators it's it's great and i really hope that people um especially this podcast um maybe it'll spread the word a little bit more and they'll jump on the resources that you guys are are putting out there thank you yeah we yeah. hope so too we're hoping uh we can help people get to where they need to be um and make that classroom not so expensive but useful yeah absolutely and also to help their administrators understand you can't just go around going, we have makerspaces. We have makerspaces. <laughs> okay, well, what does that actually mean? What do you actually have? And they look at you and they have no idea. Yeah. I don't know, we, but we have a makerspace. So hopefully this <laughs> right. will educate both administrators and teachers as to what does that actually mean. Yeah, that's, I mean, it's very true. Makerspace is a buzzword right now. You know, STEM, STEM's the buzzword. And, and I feel like it's almost fading a little bit with how, how much makerspace is really the buzzword right now. You know what I mean? <laughs> and and <laughs> you want people to be able to be informed and to be providing the best opportunities, no matter the level of makerspace, as you guys say, um, to, but for the kids to really be getting the most out of it, no matter what um, materials they have. So why don't, we, uh, why don't we chat a little bit about the upcoming events. I know that you guys said you had another spring conference, and I saw that. And I saw, I know when we first started chatting that you guys were having your fall conference, and I missed it by like a couple of days or something like that. Um, but I, you have another conference coming up, and it looks really amazing. And, um, and then let's, let's talk about how people can get in contact with you and, uh, and, and start that conversation. Great. Um, so what we do a lot is we, we create PD um, by going to different schools. Mm -hmm. uh, so we will go throughout um, the state and we'll ask teachers if they want to show off a project they've been working on or they want to show us their program. And even with something as simple as, hey, come on in and let's just have a talk in our space. Um, maybe you can help us develop something better or we can help you develop something based on what we're doing. Um, and it's really great because you've got you know, the meeting of the minds comes together and we get to have these really um, powerful meetings, um, meetings is a loose term really, um, powerful gatherings that allow teachers to feed off each other and to help develop new things and find new ways to 
to create that um, environment that their students can really learn. Um, so in this, so we do that like once a month uh, in each area. We have at least three a month. We try to do our best to get those filled. Um, and then we also have in the springtime, we call it um, the summit, so the MJTEA summit. Um, and that's basically where we come together and it, it is a little bit less formal than a normal um, uh, expo and conference, but we come together, we have someone speak about a specific topic. Last year it was uh, girls in STEM and she spoke about, you know, trying to get more girls in as well as here's what's happening with the girls and how to get their, spark their interest a little bit more. That's awesome. Um, yeah, it was really cool. It was a great, great speech. Um, and then we brainstorm, we start, we break it down into sessions and we say, all right, who wants to talk about this? Who wants to talk about that? And then we group up into breakout meetings mm -hmm. um, in different rooms and, and focus on that topic and do that brainstorming session to, to help each other. Um, and at the same time, we bring in students from our schools. We, we encourage teachers to bring their students um, to this. And we call it, we have the future tech teacher um, event where students come in and they get to do a design project. They get to learn a little bit about the program um, at, at one of the schools in the state that offers this career or this um, degree. Um, and then they, they get to experience what it's like to be in a space like that, uh, if, especially if they don't have it, or even if they do, they can see a little bit more into that, which is really nice. That's awesome. Um, and that's where, we're, yeah, we're trying to recruit, get more students into this. <laughs> yeah. Because, uh, Brainwash you know, them. Yeah. <laughs> but in a, a good bit. way. <laughs> yes, exactly. Because, I mean, you wouldn't believe how many times we have administrators go, hey, I'm looking for a tech teacher. And we're like, hey, so are we. Ah. You know, because yeah. when are you going to send more to school? You know, so it's, it's, Everyone wants to be in STEM, but no one knows that you can be teaching this all the time. And I love it. And like you said, every day is different. I get to play with tools and equipment all day long and go, hey, I want to make this project. Anyone interested in helping me out or doing it? And then I'll help you out. And they're like, yeah. And they'll, they'll start <laughs> making an aquaponics system. Oh, cool. Or another kid will start making an electric skateboard I've had. Or, um, you know, there's there's so many really cool things That's really cool. that, you know, when you leave that open-endedness to it, the students really kind of jump on and and that's what we get to do every day and that's really fun i feel like we should have a second episode where we talk about that kind of stuff sure <laughs> inviting you guys back <laughs> absolutely happy to is there anything that you would like to to discuss more before we wrap up anything that you were hoping that we didn't if, if no, no that's fine we covered quite a yeah quite, quite a, bit. a bit yeah actually all right. You know, so if, if the people key is to just keep exploring and keep designing mm -hmm. and, you know, get out there and do, you know, this STEM might be STEM to me is the one buzzword that might actually stick around. It may change into steam. Now there's stream. We joke that at some point <laughs> it's going to be every letter of the alphabet. Right. Yes. <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, there's the idea being it's important for these kids to have these critical thinking and design and problem solving skills. And you can incorporate it into you know, different subjects in different areas. And then you can let kids get more technical with it in the tech and engineering department of a high school or a vote tech school. And then in college, they can explore more. But it's okay to have some of this in other places mm -hmm. that expose the kids to the different ideas. That's so true. That, uh, that's so true. I, I don't, I can't even, I can't even add to that because that is just perfect. I feel like I need to put that in a quote and put it like... <laughs> 
somewhere above where teachers <laughs> will see. <laughs> Maybe I'll highlight it on highlight that on my website. But yeah, that I mean that's exactly what we're looking for. Um, yeah. So if people are interested in contacting you, how can they do so? I saw that the NJTEA has a Twitter. Um, can do you guys have personal? Twitters or emails or anything um, where people can contact you? Uh, yes. Yeah, so, go ahead. That's sorry. I was going to say email is very simple. It's for me, it's D Cohen, D C O E N, there's no H in there, at N J T E A dot org. And then Shane would be S Evans at N J T E E A dot org. Um, I am I am on Twitter, but I don't actually ever tweet. I tend to follow everybody <laughs> and get great ideas on it and follow my kids' schools. So I don't have a Twitter account that would give people information. All right. Yeah, neither do I. I'm a little back on the, the back burner <laughs> with that one. you got to get on Twitter so you can uh, join all our Twitter chats. Well, that's what, you know, and that's that sort of thing is what I'm looking to. I'm slowly getting into it. it I found it very overwhelming at first. It's very <laughs> addicting, like, though. It's very addicting. Not Watch on it during out. the day, and you get on it at 2.30 after having not been on it since the night before. And it was like, oh, <laughs> there's just too much information. I'm, I'm so addicted yes. to uh, to the Twitter chats that um, I get up bright and early in the morning so that I can hashtag primary STEM chat to my friends in Australia. But uh, oh, awesome. needs, I need to put that's that awesome. on hold for the winter months because they have daylight savings and we have daylight savings and they're in opposite directions. So me and no. me at six thirty AM turned into five thirty and now it's four thirty. So I I think I'd rather oh sleep oh, that wow. <laughs> and and look on the conversation um the next day. <laughs> but yeah, right. it's very it's awesome. So if I mean I will reach out to you guys if I can find any Twitter chats where I think you might be interested in and hopefully you'll get the bug and, and join in. Yeah. It, I mean, you have so much That's to say and I really feel like, um, to be able to join in chats, I'm sure you guys will contribute tremendously, but anyway, so thanks so much for coming on to the podcast today. I'm so excited that you guys reached out to me and, um, I'm just so honored that you wanted to come on my podcast and talk about all the amazing things that you guys are doing. And I really hope that we can meet in person and, um, and, forge our relationship even further and i would love it if you guys could come on to the podcast again and we talk about all the other topics that we just briefly mentioned but really could go way more in in depth with um for other episodes so you are welcome back anytime and awesome uh, anytime where i'm I'm game (laughs) awesome absolutely great so thanks so much for coming on guys and have have a great day you too 